0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is baptism? As Luther says it plainly in the small catechism, which even a child understands, baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. What is baptism? It's a question that all of us should take to heart and think about, especially as we consider the world that we live in. Have you ever asked yourself why we do not translate the word baptism? Baptism actually has a meaning behind it. It can be replaced with many English words, and I'll tell you some of those in a minute. But look at how we uh, read in the Greek baptism. In fact, you'll be able to hear it. I don't normally bring up Greek in my sermons. You know that. But today I will. So I'm going to read just a portion of that passage that was read to you from Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and, and into all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hear, hear that now in the Greek. Pour you thentes un Baptizantes autus ice ta anima tu patras kai tu wiu kai tu hagu Now, as much as that is in another language, you probably understood some of it. In fact, you heard that word baptizantas. That word baptizo meaning to wash, to cleanse, to purify. But we don't say that. When I translate that into English, I don't say Jesus said go and baptize. Or I don't say go and wash. Or Jesus said go and make disciples by cleansing them. we, We keep that word baptism. And in fact, that word baptism encompasses a lot of things that people have to ask us. What does it mean? Why do you say baptism? Now we know that the Lord has commanded baptism to be a washing. But baptism is not the typical washing that the Jews would have been accustomed to. In fact, the Jews had many ritual washings that would cleanse them outwardly. They cleansed their bodies all the time. Even before every meal, it was a requirement of the Jews to wash their hands. And there were plenty of other ways. If you were a leper and you were coming back into the church having been cleansed, you were required to wash. It was an outward ritual of purification. But there is something interesting that's happening here. Because the Jews did not wish to wash or be cleansed in dirty water. It had to be clean water. But then you hear that John the Baptist is bringing out Jerusalem, that is the city, the major city, the capital city of the kingdom under, under David and eventually split, but we won't go there. But he's bringing out this city where God has said to go and worship at the temple. There he is bringing out all of those people that had listened to the scribes and the Pharisees and the lawyers and the Sadducees. And then he's also bringing out Judea and all the regions surrounding the Jordan. All these people are flocking out to Jordan to the, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. But what was baptism? Then they would have heard a cleansing. But to cleansing in the Jordan River? That's absurd. That's dirty water. But what does John come preaching? What is John doing? Prepare the way of the Lord. He is preaching a baptism of repentance into the forgiveness of sins. That's different. That's not outward. That is something that the Lord is giving in this baptism. Forgiveness of sins. That was done by sacrifice. And as you come to see in the weeks ahead during this Lenten midweek, we will see how God's direct words connect our baptism to his sacrificial death on the cross why that baptism by John in the Jordan River was a baptism into the sacrificial death of Jesus and why that's important. But for now, we are handling what is baptism. We have to know that it's more than just an outward sign. There is what God promises to give in baptism. We know that John's baptism Was special. He was calling sinners to repentance, that they would come confessing their sins and they would be receiving from the Lord forgiveness. And that's what we focus on. I want to read to you from the large catechism of Martin Luther For it is of great importance that we esteem baptism as excellent, glorious, and exalted. For which we contend and fight chiefly, because the world is now so full of sects clamoring that baptism is an external thing, and that external things are of no benefit. But let it be ever so much an external thing. Here stand God's word and command which institute, establish, and confirm baptism. But what God institutes and commands cannot be in vain." But must be a most precious thing, though in appearance it were of less value than straw. What God here gives in baptism, though an outward act, He actually gives the most precious gift that any person could desire. But how do we know that? How do we know that this baptism is special? Because it's not just a washing ritual with water. But it is the water combined with God's word. And God's word is a living word, an active word. And this water is included in God's command. That means he has said to do it. That this is how he brings children into his kingdom. And out of the power of the devil. But so many Christians do not consider this. They think of baptism as being a work. Their work. Because it's far better to praise the things that you're doing than to give any credit to God. And especially look at baptism. It's water in a bowl. It's nothing special. It comes from the tap. It's share in water. It's nothing special. But here with God's word... It is a divine water, a special life-giving water. What is baptism? Though it look like it is of less value than straw, because even straw can be used to feed animals, combine it with some mud and you have a building material. But no, baptism is greater than everything that we have here on this earth, because it is the way in which God Makes disciples, which God forgives sins. This past week, if you have been following any sort of social media, maybe it's even made the news, I haven't seen it yet, but plenty of people have commented on how the church should lose their tax exemption status. If you've talked to me in private or maybe in Bible study, you've heard me say this is a long time coming, we should be expecting it to happen soon. But do you want to know something? There was this uh, rather than going to the Constitution or any reason why churches should keep their tax exempt status, rather, people said, if your church is not doing this, then you shouldn't have a tax exempt status. And you want to know what that X was, what they should be doing? Your church needs to be open 24 7, 365 days of the week, to take in the homeless, to feed the poor. To care for the sick. Church is like, well, that's not a bad idea, but that requires supervision. It requires licensing. We have, uh, churches have been fined for doing that because we don't have the proper facilities. Well, that's all nice. But do you see what it was, that outward work of caring for the sick and the poor, our housing, the homeless, those sorts of things, because the world can see them as a relief of a burden on society. Those sorts of things deserve a reward. The church could keep their tax exempt status if you had that. But what about the works that the church is doing for the kingdom of God? What about baptism? What about the preaching of the word? Well, those things don't matter. They're not the greatest works that the church is doing. They esteem the physical care for the poor as the greatest work of deserving of praise and reward. But should they see us baptizing and pouring water over the head of an infant, a child, or an adult, they would quickly scoff at such a ritual rite, which is just, as they would put it, a man-made invention It's because they cannot see what's actually being done. They don't have faith, and so they cannot see with the eyes of faith the crimson flood, the being baptized into the death of Jesus and into his resurrection. They perceive baptism, as many churches do, as an outward and external sign, a choice, a work of man giving their life to God. And what a pointless act that is. The world cannot rejoice with the church, with the whole company of heaven, with the angels over that one sinner who repents, because it is of no benefit to them. Let me continue to read from the large catechism these words. For to be baptized in the name of God is to be baptized not by men, but by God himself. Therefore, although it is performed by human hands, it is nevertheless truly God's own work. From this fact, everyone may himself readily infer that it is a far higher work than any performed by a man or a saint. For what work greater than the work of God can we do? You have the opportunity as Christians to confess the truth You have to give answer. Baptism is not a word that the world understands. But you have the word of God. Which has said what baptism is. And as Christians, you have that opportunity to give voice to what it means. Not your own understanding of it, but what God has spoken of it. That it is God's command to baptize. And that it is the gift in which he gives the forgiveness of sins, the means of grace, and brings people into his kingdom. But look at how many Christian churches have quickly dismissed the nature of baptism and turned God's work into their own. It is just as the world sees, a much better thing to praise the works of our hands than to actually give God any credit. But that is a very dangerous, dangerous thing The large catechism goes on to say, But here the devil is busy to delude us with false appearances and lead us away from the work of God to our own works. For there is much more splendid appearance when a Carthusian does many great and difficult works, and we all think much more of that which we do and merit ourselves. But what's the thing that we know? What did we sing on Sunday? What did we sing on Ash Wednesday? We sing about how our works will come to an end, how our strength is not enough. If our faith, if our baptism is on our own work, then when those storm clouds gather around you, when the crosses of this life press down on you, you will begin to doubt whether you have done enough. What is baptism? It is not your work. But it is the work of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to deliver to you what is won on the cross. Jesus' life, forgiveness, and righteousness. To go on in the large catechism we read, But insane reason will not regard this. And because baptism does not shine like the works which we do, it is to be esteemed as nothing. From this, now learn a proper understanding of the subject and how to answer the question, what baptism is. Namely thus, that it is not mere ordinary water, but water comprehended in God's word and command and sanctified thereby, so that it is nothing else than a divine water. Not the water in itself is nobler than any other water, but that God's word and command are at That is what we must confess as Christians. Because that's what baptism is. It is God's work. And when we see baptism by faith as God's work, and not of our own, we have a sure confidence in what is actually happening. We believe then that baptism cannot be destroyed. Though a man fall into sin, he is always able to be brought back to his baptism. Whatever gifts he shirked and left aside and said, I don't need those. When God convicts him in his heart by the preaching of the law that he has fallen. That he has committed sins and trespasses. That he must be reconciled back to God. There he will find his baptism secure and safely kept. Because it was not his work, but it was the work of God. Baptism is not mere ordinary water, but it is the water combined with, uh, included in God's command and combined with God's word. Not one of us can alter the order of God. And with our own understanding, we would not perceive what is happening. But God has so clearly established the work of baptism as being the work of his hand, that we can stand and fight chiefly against those who would call baptism a mere work of man or an empty sign and ritual, or who by the devil's deception, by turning inward to their own nature, would quickly leave baptism aside. But we will not. Because faith is not our work, baptism not our work, we shall have confidence in the marvelous things that the Lord is working with us through his holy word, in these simple, simple things like water, bread, and wine. But in them, hidden but, by, uh, but seen by the eyes of faith, is the most precious treasure and new life with him. And that you shall see in the coming weeks. So finally, know this. That as God has worked in you in baptism, he desires to see that good work continue in you until the very end. Where you will be fully sanctified, made perfect and holy in the new creation. For what you possess now remains yet hidden. But at the end it shall be revealed and all shall see it. And whenever the world, the devil and your own sinful flesh press down heavily upon you whenever you find it so difficult to keep the faith because of the crosses which you must carry because you are baptized. Know this, that the God who has formed you in your mother's womb is also the one who made you born again by water and the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the God who created all things, who gave to you the gift of faith, and he will strengthen you He will renew your soul. Just listen to the word of God. For the work of God is far more glorious and precious than anything that we can ever fully know. But we do know this, that his word is trustworthy and sure, that God does not lie. And so we can always be confident in our baptism as being God who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.